Good morning, Pulpit Rock. I'm Thomas Thompson, one of the pastors here, and it is so exciting for me to be with you today, getting to share God's Word, and more importantly, getting to see you. And I mean that, because we actually have developed some reverse technology where we've turned on all the cameras in your homes, and we can see all of you right now. Hey, everybody wave. Yeah, I can see you. Wave. Yeah, it's good. Brian Playstead, why are you not waving? Put your coffee cup down. There you go. Hi, Brian. Good to see you. Who else do we have here today? Hey, it's the Jobinonis. They're all together. They got all their kids together. Chris, you are rocking that big onesie pajama. That is a bold move for Sunday morning. Good for you. Who else do we have out there? Yes, the Eschners, Brian and Pam, sitting on the couch together. Love you guys. Um, hey, little tip though. Uh, this is church time, not cuddle time. So maybe you guys could kind of scoot a little bit apart, leave a little room for Jesus in there. That'd be great. Thank you. Well, it's good to see all the rest of you today, and we're going to be diving into God's Word. I'm excited to be here with you. Um, we're going to be in the book of James this morning. We'll be starting a brand new series today. And I'm going to kick it off by asking this question. What are the scriptures that have shaped you? I mean, all scriptures have shaped us, Right? Because the God of the universe decided that words could work wonders. With a word, the universe was birthed. With a word, God would direct his people. And when God decided that more than words were necessary, he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, who John the Apostle calls the word, the word made flesh. Now, Jesus often said to people around him, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, Jesus is always over and over again calling us to listen to the words of God because all of God's words shape us. But this morning, I want to point out to you that sometimes some scriptures shape us more than others. Maybe some of us have what we would call a life verse, a verse that's just been dear to us our entire lives. Maybe sometimes we go through seasons of our lives where we get to just cling to a verse or a passage in a new way. I bet these last few months, many of us have rediscovered verses to lean on in new ways. This pandemic has, has forced us to get real creative in how we come together to share God's words. Online conversations, whole care check-ins, socially distanced small group tailgating, Next week, meeting for churches in coffee shops and breweries. Why are, we, why are we fighting so hard for all of this? Because at Pulpit Rock, we have to keep finding ways to let us hear from us. From God to us. From God through us. Because not only do God's words shape us, they shape us as we share them with one another. As I share with you what God has taught me, as you share with me what God has taught you. And so we thought a fun question that we might ask at different points over the next year would be this question. What are the scriptures that are shaping me? What are those? And what we thought would be fun is we, over the next year, maybe just from time to time, call out different people from the congregation and say, we're going to invite this person up to share this. And this is going to be one of these ways that we're going to be sharing with one another the words of God. Just another way to let us hear from us. And Jonathan asked if I would kick it off. And so today and then, then the next three Sundays, I'm going to share four passages of Scripture that are shaping me. 
Things that have been driving deep in my life and in my soul over the last five to ten years. And they just are really beginning to shape who I am, where I'm going, and how I'm following Jesus. My hope is when I share the scripture that's shaping me, you might find God wanting to shape you. And so this morning I wanted to start with a scripture that is continuing to, to rise in brightness in my life like turning up the dimming switch. And I believe the scripture I'm about to share with you points to one of the most powerful practices God has given us in our friendships, in our marriages, in our workplaces, in the ways we share our faith, and even in our own spiritual journey. In fact, I believe what I'm about to share with you is a spiritual superpower. And this scripture is found in the first chapter of the book of Romans, Verse 19, James writes this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Do you see that word everyone? Many of you know that the, uh, the Bible was not written in English. It was written in other languages and it's been translated. And so I thought it would be really interesting for me to explain. If you look at that word everyone, do you know what it means in the actual original language? It means Everyone. It means me. It means you. It means your spouse. It means your kids. It means you. I know I said you twice, but I just wanted to see if you were listening. What I want to talk about today out of this passage is the power of listening well. And honestly, this week, with all that we've been going on in Colorado Springs and around our nation and how we're going to respond to the murder of George Floyd, Listening is going to be more critical than ever. It's going to have to be the path forward. So we got to get better at that. And I know for me, these, these last few months of corona, being sheltered and around the same people more than ever and being socially distanced more than ever from other people and trying to have conversations with flat faces on screens has really tested my ability to listen. And I've had to lean into this passage for God's power more than ever. But back up for a moment. How well do you feel listened to? Henry David Thoreau once said, The greatest compliment that was ever paid me was when someone asked me what I thought and attended to my answer. I'm honestly asking this. Do you have people that listen to you like your words have weight? like your voice has value? Isn't that powerful? It is so powerful. There have been times in my life where I have paid people money to listen to me. Now, in Christianity, we don't seem to value listening as much as we do telling, right? We have a message to share. We have a, a, a truth to tell. We have a, a practice of, of the gospel presentation to give. And so we put a lot of our chips in the basket of telling, and we don't feel like we need as many in the basket of listening. But then we come to James 1.19 and a command to listen. Wow. I think what started to turn this verse brightness up in my life is the more I've spent time in the last few years in the gospels because I noticed something about Jesus that's always giving me pause. Why does Jesus ever ask questions. 
Why would the all-knowing God ask anything? One scholar came up with 339 different questions Jesus asked. You go back into the Garden of Eden and after Adam and Eve had sinned and they, they ran off and hid and God appears and God goes, where are you? And in the first pages you're thinking, does God not know where they are? Why is he asking that? And Jesus follows suit. Now, I used to answer that question, why does Jesus ask so many questions? And my answer was, oh, well, Jesus is trying to lead someone somewhere. It'd be like if you walked into your kitchen and you saw the cookie jar had fallen on the ground, it was broken, and your little kid was sitting there with cookie crumbs all over their mouths, and you asked, do you know what happened to the cookie jar? We all know what happened to the cookie jar. You're just trying to get them to admit it. But the more I read the Gospels, the less I believe that. Because Jesus seems genuinely curious and interested in the people around him. Sometimes Jesus would be in a crowd filled with very powerful people, important people, people he should have been talking to, and then all of a sudden he would turn his attention towards someone else and give them his full focus and listen to them. Why? Well, part of what I think is going on is that when, when Jesus kind of voluntarily set aside his divine power, he also set aside his divine knowledge. And so he had to rely on two things that God gave him, the Holy Spirit to speak to him, and then his own two human ears. Could there be a connection between how powerfully Jesus listened and how powerfully Jesus spoke? You see, when you go back to James 1.19, there's an order to the words. James says, be quick to listen, then you can become slow to speak. I'm going to say this, being slow to speak will mean that you end up saying less, but what you say will carry more power. Why? Being slow to speak turns you into a communication surgeon. You are wielding your words like a scalpel. Because when you've really heard the other person, you can eliminate the unnecessary and unhelpful things you might have said and then focus in on what really needs to be said here. Now, I want you to understand the key to this, why this is so vital in the way that we relate to people, to listen. The reason we listen is not just to hear, it is to understand. When we sit across from someone in a conversation, we need to realize God has been at work in this person for a long time before we showed up. We're late to the party. And listening well helps us catch up on, God, what have you been doing in this person? How can we best be Christ to them in this situation? So we want to become quick to listen. Now, over the last years, as I've been kind of turning up this verse in my life, I've spent time in hundreds of conversations, and I've been trying to pay attention to two things. How do I feel listened to, and how am I doing it listening to them? And here's my conclusion. We're not that great at listening. We are often quick to speak, and we are slow to listen. But here's the good news. What God expects us to do, he empowers us to do. So if Jesus Christ has given us a command through James, be quick to listen, everyone, that means we all have a shot at it. We can get better. And so what I want to do with you today is I want to show kind of four levels of quickness of listening with you. And what I'd like for you to do at home is this. I'd like you to identify what level am I 
And then what is the practice I can step in with Jesus to go one level forward, to get more powerful at it? The first level of listening is what I'm going to call broke fix listening. Broke fix listening. It starts with a mindset that the person you're talking to needs something that you have. They need something solved. They have a problem going on. And the reason they're telling you this is because you're there to fix it. I'm sure no husbands have ever struggled with this at Pulpit Rock, but I've heard rumors of other ones that have. But in this level of listening, you're listening just enough to get the information so that you can have your turn to say what you want to say. You're probably listening at about 25% of your potential. Because 75% on your, of your mind is prepared, is preparing what you're going to say in response. Now let me give you a surefire test if the person you're talking to is listening at this level. You ready? Interruption. When I can't even get the last word out of my mouth before they are cutting me off, I realize immediately they are not listening to me at all. Or they're listening at this level. If you're in a group or you're on a team and you always have something to say, or you're always the first person to respond to a question, or you find yourself interrupting people a lot and running over their words, you're probably living at this level. So let me give you a practice to move out of this level, and it's very simple. Get comfortable with silence. Get comfortable with silence. When someone else is talking and they get to the end of what they're saying, wait three seconds. Not an awkward, uncomfortable 20 minutes of just eye-to-eye soul contact. No. Just give it three seconds. Be slow to speak because you want to absorb what they're saying. You're practicing not being so quick to speak on what you have to say. And I just want you to hear, it's okay if there aren't words always filling the space between you and that person. In fact, over the last year, I've been noticing in some conversations, it's the time when we're both kind of quiet that, that really, that's the best part. We're thinking, well, what is God saying? What, are we, what is he really saying to each other? One of the things you may find if you start to practice this is not only are most people not good listeners, but most people don't feel listened to. And they don't know what to do with it. What a powerful gift you can give, this gift of being heard. Now, a second level of listening, I would say, is kind of maybe the the 50% level. At this level, you are beginning to genuinely be curious about what the other person has to say. You're not just thinking about what you want to say. You're starting to do something here to uncover what they're saying. You're thinking about good questions. Now, good questions are amazing. Jesus' questions always made people think. If you want to have an amazing Bible study, pick a gospel and walk through it and just highlight every time Jesus asks a question. It's amazing what he does. His questions are so good that there are some questions Jesus has asked that I'm still thinking about decades later going, wow, I don't, I gotta, what does that mean? At this level, you're 50% listening to that person, and you're 50% listening to yourself to the questions that you want to ask. Now, that's better than the first level, right? This is making progress. The first level, you're just thinking about what you want to say, but here you're thinking about what you want to ask. Upgrade. But there's also a downside. When we're not quick to listen, we're not asking good questions. When we're not quick to listen, we're not asking good questions. 
I was in Belfast a few years ago having dinner with some friends, and there were five of us that were from America, and one woman had grown up in Northern Ireland. The conversation began to turn towards her and what it was like to grow up in Northern Ireland dur or during like the 70s and 80s. And this one couple were really interested, and they just kept asking her questions, rapid fire. What happened then? What was that like? What da da da? And, and in fact, they were asking so fast that sometimes they were interrupting their own question to ask another question of her. I'd say they were kind of floating between the first and second level. And after a few minutes of this, she did this. Stop! We're in this restaurant in Belfast, and everyone's jumping, and I'm just feeling red. What's happening? She calmed down. She said, let me explain. I grew up in Ireland during the Troubles, a time when the nation itself was ripping apart. Protestant against Catholic. Unionist against nationalist. Car bombs on a daily basis. Gunfire in the streets. At this moment on our planet, Belfast was the most dangerous place in the world. And people didn't know who to trust. Spies could be lurking around, lurking around every corner. Casual conversation was scrutinized. Your neighbor could overhear you, maybe report you to someone. And then you got to go start your car in the morning. You were stopped at the border between Northern Ireland and Ireland, and you were put through the bureaucratic ringer. Who do you know? Where do you live? Well, give us some more names of people. Who do you consort with? And my friend explained, she said, I quickly learned that questions were attacks. Even innocent-sounding questions could get people hurt. And so if you were the person asking the questions, we were very suspicious of you. Now, when she said that, I was genuinely curious, and I wanted to ask her more about that. But can you see my dilemma? <laughs> How can I ask her questions about this without asking her questions? And so I said that, and she said, she laughed, and she said, okay, she said, what we learned to do was to listen, to let someone else share, to let that rest, and then to share what we felt we wanted to share there. Now, what I want you to take away from that story is this. This couple was asking questions, but because they were not listening, they were poor questions. Poor questions are not questions you remember 30 years later. Poor questions don't move conversations forward. Sometimes at this level, we're asking questions because we're still just trying to fix the problem. We're asking so we can tell. Have you ever noticed that some questions are just statements with a question mark at the end? Like that? Have you ever heard someone there in their conversation with you and they say, well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about trying this suggestion that I'm making right now? That's not a question. That's them saying, you should try this suggestion that I'm making right now, question mark. That doesn't, that doesn't make it a question. Sometimes we use questions as fillers. Sometimes we use questions to deflect from us. Sometimes we use questions just to fake enough interest so, so that it can become your turn. Now, at this level, you're listening at 50%, but you're all thinking about the questions you're going to ask at 50%, but you could still have an entire conversation on this level and not achieve anything of substance. How do you begin to move out of this question? Simple practice. Ask a good question and then shut up. Many times we will ask a good question, but then we will keep talking. Hey, have you ever da-da-da-da? I mean, let me tell you how I da-da-da, and all of a sudden you're like, well, you asked a question and you kept going. Or we'll tell our own story, we'll interrupt. Ask a question and just be comfortable with silence. I know it's a good question sometimes, 
when I ask a question and it takes them 10, 20 seconds to answer. They're thinking. And I often found this. If I am patient after they finish answering a question, sometimes they're not done. And they begin to share what they're really thinking. Giving people space. That's how you move out of this level. Ask a good question and shut up. Now, there's a third level of listening, this kind of 75% level. Now, this is where you're really leaning in. This is where you are fighting to focus. A distraction pops up, but you are trying to bring your mind back here. You begin to wander and think about what you have to do later, but you, no, no, I'm going to come back here and focus on. This is a great level of conversation. It is a level most people would aspire to. You're watching, listening not just to what they say, but how their body language is. You're paying attention. A very important thing at this level of listening is the word non-judgmental. When you are quick to listen, you are seeking to understand. You really want to know what they're saying and why they think that. If I'm judging you, though, through my own experiences and opinions, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I already know where she's wrong. Oh, I already know where this is. Oh, I already know the verse I should say. I'm not really hearing what they're saying. Parents of teenagers, you know this, right? When your kid reveals something to you that scrapes finger bi- uh, uh, fingernails against the chalkboard of your convictions, you have a choice. You can beginneth the rant, and you can shut down that conversation. Or you can pull out your best Jesus-fueled poker face, and you can say, Tell me more about that. And you may find they open up. I'm not saying you don't have convictions. I'm just saying sometimes you have to set these things down because you have to decide, I can either judge or I can listen. I can't do them both at the same time. So I'm going to set this aside for now and really hear. There is a time to speak truth. There is a time to share your thoughts. But remember, that comes after. That's when we're we're slow to speak. We're slow to correct. Think about this in the context of sharing the gospel. Sometimes we think the gospel, we share about uh, Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. It's all about the presentation and the telling. I have the answer, and I don't really need to hear anything they say because they're going to say everything that's wrong. But one of my favorite ways to share my faith is just to ask people about theirs. Oh, you believe in this. Wow. When did you start believing that? How, How did you come about that? And I don't do that so I can get equal time. Right? So there's a timer. Beep. Okay, now I got to talk about Jesus. No, no, no. It's because, remember, we listen because we want to see where is God at work in this person's life. You want to see a great example of that. Look over in Scripture in the Gospels at Jesus' conversation with the rich young ruler. He listens to him. Now, one thing to practice if you want to move out of this level, I actually learned from Mr. Rogers. If you've seen the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, If you have not, then your time through coronavirus quarantine has been a complete failure if you have not watched this movie. You need to watch this. It was based on a true story about a reporter who was assigned to do a story on Mr. Rogers. The problem was he thought Mr. Rogers was a fraud. No one could be that nice. So he's like, okay, I'll interview Mr. Rogers, but I'm going to do an expose. So he calls the studio to make an appointment, and surprisingly, who picks up the phone is Mr. Rogers himself. They start to talk. At one point in the call, Mr. Rogers asks him, do you know what the most important thing I'm doing right now is? What's that, the reporter said cynically. I'm talking to you. 
For Mr. Rogers, it didn't matter who he was speaking with. It might be a, a little kid that came on the set, and Mr. Rogers would talk to him while the production crew was being delayed and delayed. Maybe it was a reporter he just met who was trying to interview him and trip him up in a lie. Maybe it was his wife of many years. Maybe it was just the waitress bringing him coffee. He treated them as if they were the most important person in the world, like there was no other conversation more important than the one he was having right in front of him. You guys know when you've been here at Pulp Rock and you've been talking to somebody and, and you can tell they're looking past you to a better conversation, this was the opposite. He was locked in. And we see this all the time with Jesus. How many times in the middle of a crowd of important people, Jesus stops. He ignores even maybe a question or something else someone else says, and he talks with a weeping woman or a broken beggar as if they were worthy of the full attention of the King of Kings. So from Mr. Rogers and Jesus, I guess, I've started this practice. Every time I'm about to have a conversation, maybe I'm walking up to the, to the coffee table, or perhaps I'm, I'm, about to, I'm waiting on Zoom for them to appear, I just make this statement out loud. It's a prayer, and it's a statement as well. For the next hour, Jim is the most important person in my world. This is a statement, it's a, it's a setting, and it reminds me that I don't care what else happens, my phone is not important, my email is not important, the person walking by is not important, this is the person I'm going to give my full attention to with the power of God. I'm going to serve them by listening. This is a hard level to get at. I've been working on this for a while, I'm not here often, but I, it's, it's worth it. But last thing, there, there actually is a fourth level. It is a level I would aspire to. Now, this is a level where we're doing all those things I've talked about, right? I'm getting comfortable with silence. I'm asking good questions and shutting up. I'm treating this conversation as if this person is the most important person in my world. But I'm adding one more thing that's critical. I'm listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to be a part of every table we sit. He wants to speak into conversations. And as I try to lean in and listen to him, there's sometimes where I'm trying to tune myself to go, I wanted to share something, and I felt like this Holy Spirit said, you don't need to tell that. You don't need to go there. Or I'm thinking I'm going to ask something, and, and the Holy Spirit says, no, you ask this instead. Or perhaps there's something they said that the Holy Spirit said, you need to come back to that. That, that is powerful. And I begin to wonder, is this what Jesus was doing when he was having conversations with people? That he had, at the same time, his attention on people, but also his heart and ear trained on the Holy Spirit. Now, we said 25, 50, 75, 100. Some of you math uh, majors out there might be going, how, how can you be 100% listening to somebody and 100% listening to God? Thomas, that's, that's 200%. Yes, the math does not add up. Maybe it's the same kind of math that lets Jesus Christ come to our earth and be 100% human and 100% God. God makes it work. I think God can move us towards this and listening to the Holy Spirit and listening to them. I think having the Holy Spirit truly transforms us into people who are quick to listen. So in the conversation, I'm just striving, and at points I'm even asking, Holy Spirit, what are, what are you saying? What are you saying? Well, thank you for listening this morning. I, I, I want to just close with a thought and a question. Consider this. The next person you're talking to, even today, 
may have been in a take, 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 take world all week. And for you to listen to them, for you to really see what God is doing in them, where Christ is at work, to understand them, that could be one of the most powerful gifts of God you give. As one author said, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are indistinguishable. If we're going to move forward into some new realities as a culture, as a church, as a people of God, we're going to have to learn to listen to each other much better than ever before. So question, where are you at? Where's your quickness? What's your next step to move up one? I'm going to put these next steps up on the screen, and I'm going to invite you to join me for just a moment of prayer. Let's be quick to listen to Jesus and see where he's drawing us towards one of these next steps that we're going to commit with him to do over the next week. Jesus, we invite you to speak. Where do I need to go this week, Lord, to be quick to listen? Jesus, we're so grateful that we strive so much to listen to you, and we need to be reminded that you listen to us. We are never alone. We are never ignored. We are never lost in a crowd because more important people have your ear. You have billions to listen to, but you turn your face towards each one of us and give us your full attention. Help us to be like you, quick to listen.